0: Hello, and welcome to the Space Coast Pet Podcast, the podcast for pets and the people who love them. Now, here's your host, veterinarian, Dr. Roger Welton. Hello, wonderful pet lovers, and welcome to the Space Coast Pet Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Roger Welton, aka Dr. Roger, practicing veterinarian, coming to you from the temporarily not-so-sunny... Florida Space Coast. Yeah, it's a bit gloomy here today. It's a little bit, uh, not a little bit, it's a bit of cloud cover out there. Woke up, it was raining this morning. Couldn't couldn't drag my my butt to the gym this morning. Just didn't didn't like the idea of walking out in rain. Still still kind of reeling a little bit from my spa- uh, my uh, daylight savings hangover. So uh, the gloominess is a little bit reflective of my mood. granted, I'm so excited to get that extra hour of sunlight, longer days. I just love this time of year as we're heading into summer. But the, the first few days, especially as I get older, the adjustment is is challenging. and I'm sure I'm preaching in the choir. I'm sure all of you out there are reeling just a little bit from the Loss of one hour of sleep. It's amazing how much that can affect you. But at any rate, uh, I'm going to stop whining about that and dive into today's topic. Uh, Interestingly, this was not the topic I had prepared for this episode. I was actually inspired by a listener email. I'm going to read that email in just a moment. But um, uh, the topic today is basically about intestinal parasites and emerging threats and you know, that's been on on the sort of the edge of my psyche here because, as a practitioner, and I've compared notes with other practitioners, we have we're seeing uh, upticks of healthy animals presenting with parasites. Um, normally, you have a healthy adult animal. Yes, every now and then, uh, parasitism infestations slip through, but by and large, usually, you're expecting to get you know negative, 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 especially. On routine wellness screening stool analyses and boy I'm getting positives every day and it's just unusual because these pets are otherwise quite healthy and normally when we're in the business of treating parasites it generally is most commonly me puppies and kittens and uh, why are we seeing this more often in adult animals especially in dogs um, I think I think part of that is because, you know, a lot of the cats that we see are indoor cats, as they should be, by the way. Um, so maybe the exposure is not quite there. But at any rate, we're going to get into that. And, and what's going to be different today, uh, as, as per typical for me, is I'm actually going to talk about the best modalities to prevent this from happening. Um, I'm actually going to talk brand names. And I don't typically do that because there's always a, a cynical person out there or two that uh, you know jump to a conclusion that i'm getting some kind of check on the back end from recommending product folks i'm going to tell you that's that's just something that does not occur at least not for me no one's offered me anything uh, nor would i take it because my recommendations are going to be based on efficacy so effectiveness in in what the label is supposed to be accomplishing it's going to be based on safety of course and if plausible can we get you the best bang for your buck as far as cost is concerned? Because what we're talking about is preventatives, and preventatives are an ongoing regular uh, administration. And so a cost factor, if you're budget conscious, is an important consideration as well. So we'll talk about all that, but let's let's dive into this email because it's really good, it inspired this episode, and I have a lot to to comment on here. So dear Dr. Roger, aside from From when they were puppies, my dogs have not experienced any parasites in their adult lives. They are currently seven and five, respectively. I am vigilant about stool stool screening every year when they have their yearly well visits. In the past year, my dogs have come back twice with two different parasites, first-time Giardia, and later in the year, hookworm. The hookworm infection was incidental and found on routine screening, but the Giardia actually did cause... Clinical diarrhea. I've compared notes with friends at the dog park, and several have reported the same types of unusual parasite infections. Is there an industry-wide increase in parasites we need to know about? If so, what steps can we take to protect our dogs? Thanks so much for all you do. My husband and I are huge fans of your show, as are many of our acquaintances at the dog park. Sincerely, Patty, Claremont, Florida. Okay, well, lots to unpackage here. The, uh, you know, first off. Claremont, Florida. That's probably about an hour and a half drive from here, maybe a little bit less. Uh, so, Florida, brethren. Um, so, my first comment is, I'm going to say Claremont's probably similar uh, to to my area in in so much as, and I I may be wrong, but my my uh, my my son played lacrosse out in Claremont, and um, I believe that that area is similar to to here in Vieira, where I live, where you got these um, private landowners that are basically creating towns where before there were none. They're, the landowners generally were former ranchers, either cattle ranch or sod farms. Uh, that was the case here. And so Vieira, for, for example, was not a town. It was all ranch land and conservation land and, and suddenly became a town. Um, it actually spans two towns, uh, two legit towns, that is, that actually have mayors and local government and all that. Uh, that that would be Melbourne and Rockledge. And then sort of southern Rockledge and northern Melbourne comprises this, this town called Vieira. Um, and and so we have a CEO. We don't have a mayor uh, because it's, it's called incorporated. And it's sort of a phenomenon we're seeing all over Florida. The reason I bring this all up is because what you have in these areas is – the The Government is mandating that a certain amount of land is as as these t- towns go up a certain amount of land is set aside for conservation so you had previously um either either farm type land um, or basically outright you know forest previously whereas a town's going up now and so you have a lot of wildlife that was previously there in the dirt and the soil um there's all kinds of stuff and also in my case, and I believe it's the same case in Claremont, you're backing up to these conservation areas. So I'm looking, every time I have podcast to you guys, I'm looking across, there's a lake right in my backyard, and across from the lake there's this big island of uh, just beautiful conservation, and there's birds and wildlife, and it's just gorgeous, and I, I'm so glad that the planners at these towns really made it a priority to set aside um, all of this conservation area. In the middle of my development, uh, there is 80 acres set aside with, with trails you can walk through or, or ride your bike through to see the beautiful wildlife and and uh, it's really, really peaceful. And you could also walk your dog through there. And so the reason I bring all this up is because I think by virtue of continuing to to build into these natural habitats, these natural environments, I think we're, we're just, in general, more exposed to parasites. Um, you know, they're out there. A lot of these things are... Carried and perpetuated by wildlife. Here in Florida, we have a lot of bobcats. Bobcats essentially carry uh, uh, the same the same parasites that uh, cats do, uh, domestic cats, and so that would be you know they have hookworm, they have roundworm, and and these things can be transmitted to dogs very easily. Dogs love to eat cat poop, and bobcat poop is no different. Um, so so that I think I think one of the biggest sources is yeah we just continue to to croach into natural environments. Um, I won't get into the, I guess, ethics of that. It, it is sad to me in many ways, um, but here I am living in one of them, and uh, I, I do I do love sort of the, the, the paradigm of life I have here where I got the benefits of this beautiful suburb kind of ad-mixed in with these beautiful natural areas, so I got mixed feelings about it. <laughs> I mean, certainly I, I feel for the coyotes and the, the bobcats and, and these other wildlife that are getting... You know, demonized because they're they're you know stealing people's chickens and you know walking away with with little little toy breed dogs and it's it, the danger is real and there's gators around and you know um, it's not their fault it's it's us uh, but but at the same time we're we're by doing this we're also putting our pets at increased risk to to get some of these uh, parasitic diseases so I think that's one aspect um, you talked about the dog park. Ooh, that's a big one. So, what we have going on in uh, the dog world is, boy, we're treating our dogs increasingly like like we treat our children, which is awesome. I love it. You know, my dogs go to a doggy daycare called Dogtopia. Um, they love it. They come home exhausted. It's like it's it, it's like preschool for for dogs, and you know they have costume days, and it's just the coolest thing. They exercise all day. You can watch your dog at any time log into your webcam and, and see your dog playing. They have a, a nap time in the middle of the day where they all go in the crates and they're fed and the lights are dim and they have an hour break uh, just from the hustle and bustle just to physically rest and mentally rest and then off they go again until the end of the day. Um, and so there's a lot of that going on and then there's also dog parks are going up all over. I mean, it's, it's, it's a wonderful trend to see that um, the 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 happiness the well being of dogs is being recognized and catered to by our local communities and so here in Vieira alone we have like four dog parks it, it, one of them is incredible it's uh it's got like this sanitary like astroturf type surface that uh, every every evening gets hosed off and it, it's really clean it, the the all the runoff goes into uh, drainage areas on the perimeter. And there's a, there's a big dog one, and then there's a little dog one, and it's just so cool. And and these places are populated all the time. And so what do you have with all this? The doggy daycare, the dog parks, the increased tendency for our, our dogs to have social lives, basically. You're going to have more contact with other dogs. And just like our kids in preschool, what happens when they go back to school, they are... Um, they can come home with more colds and, and they can even come home with lice, talking about parasitism, that's an ectoparasite. Um, they're just exposed to all kinds of stuff because they're in groups and they're in close proximity to one another for prolonged periods of time. And uh, just like dogs, they're not going to practice uh, you know, sanitary uh, practices like washing their hands regularly, like refraining from sniffing other butts and things like that. Preschoolers can be Pretty, pretty dirty in their own rights and not practicing the best hygiene either. Um, and so there's a lot of parallels there. So I think we have a combination of exposure, uh, but also, you know, at least here in Florida and, and I believe, as I said, in Claremont um, or here in Vieira and in Claremont, there is this encroachment into, into natural habitats. I think it's a perfect storm of, yes, we're, I, I would say there probably is an industry-wide trend to Patty's question to there being an uptick, uh, at least anecdotally, I can confidently say that. Now, I would love to see the statistics to see how that would play out, like in a real uh, study. And I'm sure it's happening as we speak. Um, I would love to see the statistical data, um, you know, regarding all, all of the things that we're we're noticing. One of the th- uh, things that are a bit concerning is in the case. So it's funny, Patty brought up giardia and hookworm. They're, we're seeing resistant uh, strains of those. And so our traditional, uh, Giardia is a para, uh, protozoal parasite. Hookworm is uh, a worm parasite. And respectively, the, the medications that very commonly have worked for these for, for the longest time in treating them, every now and then you're, you're, you're running into resistance and having to get creative with your protocols. And that, that is a little bit concerning, because one has to wonder at some point, where, where does that lead us, um, unless we're inventing more and more ongoing novel antiparasitics, and you know you just don't know if, if, if that's going to continue. So the other thing that concerns me is there's a type of worm called a whipworm. And whipworms, God, I can't remember the last time I diagnosed a positive whipworm. Well, what we've learned is there's good reason for that. There's there's good reason why the, the diagnosis is not so common. Uh, whipworm eggs are, are quite heavy, and they don't float very well. And as a result, um, our, our flotation analyses require that the eggs float to the top so they adhere to a slide. A cover slide that we, we put on the main slide and then check for eggs. I mean, it's essentially what we're doing in the case of protozoal parasites. We're looking for what are called oocysts, the, the reproductive units of, of, of the protozoals. So, if the eggs aren't by nature of their properties, don't float well, you know, it would make sense that we're going to miss a lot of diagnoses. Well, there is a study done. Uh, by, I believe, Elenco, uh in, in conjunction with, with somebody else. Alenko is a, a veterinary pharmaceutical that did random samples of uh, just poop at dog parks all over the country. I mean, I think the, the number was they hit like over 3,000 dog parks. One of the things that was astounding is overall they discovered that 80% of their samples or 80% of the dog parks had Positive parasites, um, that not 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 eighty percent for any one specific parasite, but there was at least one parasite found eighty percent of the time uh, in these random dog park analyses. Uh, literally, they would just walk around; their dog would poop. Uh, somebody's dog would poop, and and uh, the person would say, "Hey, may I take that poop?" and uh, and they would scoop up the poop, and then you know walk around and 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 kind of. Randomly, just ask to collect uh, the samples that the dogs are all too happy to drop for you. Um, I wouldn't mind somebody cleaning up my dog's poop. I don't have to curb my dog. Great, yeah, how about it? So, the, the astounding that eighty percent of these parks had positive parasites, but what the study uh, enlightened us on was the 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 sheer false negatives of of whipworms, um, the the they used um, PCR techniques that are are pricey, um, more accurate than your traditional flotations, But you know it's it's it becomes a little cost prohibitive to run routine PCRs on on wellness wellness cases. So I really reserve those to um, cases where we have really bad diarrhea. We're getting negative fecals. And we're also resistant to treatment. Yeah, I'll run a PCR then. But routinely, I'm not running PCR. It's just because it's it's a lot for people to swallow to spend that kind of money uh, on routine fecal analysis. But for the purpose of the study, PCR was used. And PCR is going to p- pick up on DNA signatures versus actually visualizing reproductive units. And so it was discovered that we are uh, missing positive whipworm cases 30% of the time, which means that there's a lot of dogs out there walking around with whipworm, and we don't know it. And so why is that significant? Um, You know, if they're not symptomatic, what does it really matter? Well, having a parasite in the body is not a good thing. It does chip away at the health, even if they don't have active diarrhea. Uh, Their body's adjusted to living with the parasite, but um, it, it creates reactivity within the body. So... Interesting example of that, Um, my girlfriend has had a a dog who, when she rescued him, was positive for heartworm. He was also just this itchy, allergic dog, and so she had to manage that. Well, after she treated the heartworm, his general allergy went away, and, and she didn't have to deal with it ever again. So what does that tell us? His body was in a reactive state because he had this parasite in his body, and the parasite you know, typically doesn't cause that sign, but just the inflammation, and he didn't have a huge worm load either, but just the inflammation it created within his body was enough to uh, manifest into his skin. And here she thought, oh boy, I adopted not just a heartworm positive dog, but an allergic one as well. And it turned out that no, he was just heartworm positive and the rashes he was getting were were really the result of that reactivity within the body. So suffice it to say, I think that could occur Theoretically, with any parasite, it doesn't have to just be heartworm. It could be whipworm, hookworm, you know, roundworm. Name your name your parasite. And so, if it's going undiagnosed, um, you know that that that's a problem. You know, and then also any inflammation in the body can can chip away at the health in other ways. So I always say any itis can predispose to cancers. Um, so, we know reflux esophagitis in people, for example, can predispose to esophageal cancer over time. That chronic inflammation can lead to mutations of the cells, which can lead to abnormal proliferation and mutation, and, and, and hence, you know, there's a full out cancer there. So, um, it's not a good thing to have a parasite, even if it's asymptomatic. Yet, so many dogs are probably walking around with whipworms. So, why do we bring that up? Um, you know, Because what, what can really be done about it? Well, first off, I would recommend if it's not cost prohibitive for you, talk to your veterinarian about uh, upping your yearly uh, screening uh, stool analysis from a fecal flotation uh, technique. Even the send-out ones are about 25% false negative. Um, so we're, we, even with those better centrifugation techniques that we send out, we're still missing a good number there. Um, rather than opt in for that, you know, check on a price and see what the PCR yearly screening would look like because that's going to be more accurate. And if it's not cost prohibitive, it doesn't break your budget, You know, I'd say go for it because you're going to catch not just whipworm, but got all kinds of stuff that might be missed in those other fecals. So that's one thing. And I think the other thing, as it pertains to dogs, I would recommend choosing a preventative product that's going to cover for whipworms, in addition to your hookworms and roundworms um, and, of course, heartworm. So the big th- the, one of the big um, innovations in the last few years that a lot of dog owners are excited about is Simparica Trio. So Simparica Trio, it's going to cover, it's, uh, the, the base for the heartworm preventative is Moxidectin, um, and it also gets fleas and ticks uh, with a product called Surlaner. And so the combination of that, it's like your first all-in-one, finally something that gets fleas, ticks, intestinal worms, um, and heartworm, all with one tab once a month. How wonderful. Well, the one drawback to that product is it doesn't kill whips. Moxidexin does not kill whips. Um, Another another popular heartworm uh, substrate that is in preventatives uh, would be ivermectin. So most people have heard of HeartGuard, and um, that's kind of the OG, that's the original uh, parasiticide that that prevents for heartworm very effectively, but it doesn't do anything for these other uh, worm parasites within the gut. So what, what HeartGuard, or the company that makes HeartGuard, did was they added parental pamoate to it, and parental pamoate effectively um, uh, kills most of your common worm parasites, with the exception also of whipworm. So you got two products there that are very popular. Um, HeartGuard does nothing for fleas and ticks. You need a separate flea tick product, but a lot of people like HeartGuard just because it tastes really good and the dogs readily eat it, especially your little finicky guys. But um, as far as killing whipworms, there's only one base parasiticide that will prevent and, and actually treat and kill whipworms and that's uh, milbamycin oxime um, and that's going to be an interceptor and that's going to be in sentinel um, for me I would probably go with an interceptor and the reason I would pick interceptor is because sentinel is milbamycin oxime based but it also has um, lufernon which is a a, a, a product that. that Sterilizes flea eggs, so it has a claim to be a flea preventative product as well, and by virtue of that, it increases the cost a little bit as compared to Interceptor. Um, but steril, at least here in Florida, sterilizing fleas eggs, but not doing anything to address the other life stages of the flea, including the adult flea, <laughs> the um, the immature flea, the larvae. You know, you're just just making them sterile. It's not going to be enough to prevent flea infestation. Again, at least here in Florida, we don't get an off season from fleas. In fact, right now is flea season here. They're they're in their heyday right now because of the fact that they dislike the heat and humidity of the summer as much as we do. They thrive best in 64 to 72 degrees with lower humidity. So right now is when we face the biggest challenges with fleas. So yeah, you're going to lose that battle with Sentinel alone. So if you're going to have to add in a separate flea tick product, um, I would just as soon get the interceptor. Because the, the sentinel, you're paying extra money for this claim that really isn't real. Um, and what I do is I'll, I'll combine um, Interceptor with with um, Brevecto. Brevecto is a once every three month flea tick that covers the ectoparasite side of it very effectively. And the price point on that, actually, if you combine Interceptor with um, Brevecto, or even you take a sentinel with Brevecto, you're getting that whipworm coverage. And you're actually paying less than... Uh, economically, a single dose of Simparica trio every month, so economically it makes sense as well so that 's kind of my go to is interceptor combined with Prevecto. on the feline side of it um, the whipworm data is it's it's lacking <laughs> so you know we 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 really don't we really don't know um, the extent of it as accurately in cats as we do with dogs um, so I, I can't really speak with any authority on that, but as far as uh, a preventative product that I really like, Brevecto uh, is really nice for cats because not only does it prevent for flea ticks, it's a topical that goes on the uh, on the back of the neck. It also covers for uh, intestinal parasites as well and heartworm as well. So um, really nice n- nice product for cats, and and it's given every two months for cats. Uh, so that's that's a good choice there but um yeah that's kind of it in a nutshell uh, what other things you can can you do to prevent as far as uh beyond choosing the right preventative medications um good potty patrol you know uh when your dogs go outside you know scoop scoop that right up don't don't let it don't let it sit and linger because uh the the, the longer the longer that lingers the more if there is an infestation, let's say you have multiple dogs like I do, uh, the longer that sits in the environment, the more likely the other dogs can pick it up. Um, so so good good potty patrol is really important. Um, I'm not going to go so far as to say don't go to the dog park. Uh, mentally and physically, that's very stimulating to the dogs. But if you're going to do it, just make sure you're, you're, you're keeping up with your preventatives. Um, when you go to the dog park, You might have some great people around you that are very vigilant and responsible pet owners that are doing their yearly screening. They are participating in good preventative wellness medications to prevent the parasites. But clearly, there are many that are not. 80% of dog parks have parasites in them. So, you know, it comes down to doing your own diligence and making certain that, that your 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 dog is up up to date on preventative. Um, another thing I would consider again, if it's not um, a budgetary issue, is many of my clients, those who have experienced parasites, those especially who have little kids. I'm going to talk to. I'm going to finish with the kids in just a second. Um, are engaging in twice a year stool screening, so they'll do the one with the well visit and then they'll do another one six months later. So they're doing it twice a year to make sure that if there's any positive at all whatsoever, they're on top of it and not exposing, not just fellow pets, but their their small children to it. So let's talk about that real quick and we'll wrap it up. Um, children under the age of five, or let's say five years or younger, can experience a, a two, two types of phenomenon as it pertains to hookworm. Um, so if they come in contact with hookworm, the they're not going to become hookworm positive in the sense that it's going to complete the life cycle and end up with adult worms in their gut, but the the larvae can reach a certain larval stage where it can migrate. And so you can see what's called cutaneous larval migrants. So you can literally see like stripes in the skin where these larvae where these larvae are traveling through the skin it causes rashes sometimes you can even see it as like the actual shape of the worm it's really creepy <laughs> um it's not a full worm it is larvae but um, it it's it it, it could be pretty nasty and um it's treatable and which is good but it's not something you want to put your kid through secondly uh this one's really potentially tragic um, they can get what's called ocular larval migraines. And so the, the hookworm reaches a stage of development where, yes, they can travel on the skin, but they can actually make it up to the eye and get inside the eye and cause irreversible blindness. Um, an example of that was actually on a show uh, on Animal Planet called The Monsters Within, and is a four-year-old boy was playing in a sandbox, uh, and uh, I guess feral or loose cats had defecated in the sandbox, and he, that's how he got exposed to hookworm, and he went blind. And, it's you know, it's a rare thing to happen, but it, it can happen. And so, you know, that's another reason we want to really be vigilant about preventing these things so we protect our human family as well. So, you know, that's parasites in a nutshell. Yes, they are on the rise. Yes, there's things we can do about it um, to prevent. Uh, Giardia, the protozoal parasite that I talked about, that's you're gaining some resistance. That one's a challenge because there's no real preventative medication for that. I guess recognizing it and treating it as soon as possible before it has the opportunity to mutate is probably your best strategy against that. So um, good luck, everybody. And uh, Patty, thank you so much for the email. Completely changed my trajectory in my episode today, but it was really something that needed to be talked about. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen